Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And she went to go look at the monitor. And when she went to go turn to turn around to tell me everything was like looked fine, I had coded. Michelle. Hey, Carling. How are you? Good. How are you? Have, whoa, whoa. We are both just happy. <laughs> happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Except it's Sunday. It is. And it's our, is the May long weekend only Canadian? I think in the States it's Victoria Day. No. <laughs> I think in Canada it's Victoria <laughs> Day. <laughs> because... Princess Victoria, Queen that Victoria. That was so embarrassing. You have to cut oh that God, out. I will not. Queen Victoria. I was so confident. Everybody in the States is like, who the hell is Victoria? Yeah, because Canada is part of the British monarchy. Uh, monarchy. Then we celebrate Queen Victoria Day. How embarrassing. Sorry, it's Memorial Day in the States. Oh, okay. Well, happy Memorial Day. I mean, happy same thing. Queen Victoria Day. <laughs> when I used to work at the Glembo for Victoria Day, our social club that I was on, obviously, mm-hmm. we had a tea party. And did you wear those wigs with the curls? <laughs> no. Boots with the fur? <laughs> I did have my apple bottom jeans. <laughs> the whole club was looking at, at me. Her. <laughs> How was your week? Fine, I think. Oh, uh, was it? I don't remember. Well, you had something very exciting happen. Oh my god, what? Oh! Yeah. Oh my god, I was like, you became an aunt. I'm an aunt again. I'm so excited. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. My little niece was born. Yeah. Lucia, but we're calling her Lucy. So congrats to Lauren and Stefan yeah. and their other older kiddos. I know, it's so exciting. Um, She has a few challenges. Yeah. She has spina bifida, so needed to have surgery right away. She had surgery yesterday, but she's doing really, really well. And they um, knew that before they gave they birth. Did. They did. But she's doing amazing. Like, the surgery yeah. went perfectly. Uh, Lauren said all the doctors and nurses are just, like, so happy with her progress and how she's doing. So Aww. she has to be in the hospital for a few days on, you know, pain medication, and she has to yeah. not move so she can heal. But yeah. Um, yeah, she's super cute, and wow. I can't wait to snuggle her. Science. Right? Like, the fact that now we can tell of a potential issue, like, in utero. Yeah. I know that's not, like, super new, but yeah, I just think it's fascinating. My mom showed me a picture of an ultrasound that she had when she was pregnant with me. And did it look like anything? And no. Like, it was you just like a black and white. See, I'm pretty sure they just took a picture of static on a TV and then gave it to her and told her there was a baby in there because it's like you yeah. can't see anything. But anyways. That's great. Spina bifida is where the spinal cord is on exposed. the exterior. It's well, a, yeah. it's exposed. So she had to have surgery to close it up. And she 
she will have some challenges as she grows. Yeah. Either, you know, in her mobility mobility or neurologically or they I mean they won't be able to tell until she yeah. she grows, but she's perfect and yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Well, congrats. Oh, thank you. I just can't wait to like get my hands on her. I know. Get a baby snuggle. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, how was your week? My week was fine. Uh, this was our last week doing school from home. Oh, hallelujah. Seriously. And so happy. You know what, though? I have a bone to pick with some people. Oh, no. Maybe this is just me. I know it's not just me, but... I've been hearing a lot of people say, like, well, why bring them back? It's only three weeks. It's only four weeks, mm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I get that. But some of us really need our kids to go back to school. Yeah. Like, some of us aren't in, you know, two-parent households where one parent can stay home and or things yeah. like that. Like and, some you, of like, us... your job you can't do from home. No. So, you know, just maybe have some consideration for people who aren't in that position. Yeah. And need their kids to go back to school. Yeah. And, like, also, not all parents have the patience of a saint. Like exactly. You. But I can see the... <laughs> okay. I can see the flip side of it, though, where they're sending kids back and they haven't made any changes. So, you know... Right. Is transmission going to be... Transmission. Plus the teachers, you know, none of this has been fair for the teachers yeah. either. So there's no winning yeah. in the situation. But I don't know. It's just... Yeah, that's fair. Summer's almost here and let's just get through it and... Yeah. Have a good summer. All right. That sounds great. All right. I'm into it. All right. Let's do it. Last night, I had all five dogs, mm -hmm. and I went and slept at Lindsay's house, mm -hmm. and she has one dog. Scandalous. And she, <laughs> and she has two kiddos. Yeah. So there was two kids, two adults, adults, six dogs, and it went okay. Do you ever do anything with just you and one other person? And no animals and no children. Uh, like it's rare, but sometimes <laughs> you and I have gone to Costco. It's okay. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, if we did go to Dallas together and there were no children or animals. Yeah, that was kind of wild. That was weird to think about and to like not have to provide help to any yeah living creature except for, for ourselves. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> it is weird. I and I'm still navigating. You know, like, I always have some combination of dogs with me, but I don't really feel comfortable leaving them in my subterranean villa. Right. Because if they bark and they hear them upstairs, like, I, you know, mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. I don't know how much of an issue it would be. So, that is me. <laughs> this I don't know. Me. This, oh. Um, Greatest Showman. One oh, yeah, thing I was going to see that movie. Yeah, I watched it with you. Oh, right. And I loved it. It's amazing. Yeah. That's all. Zendaya's in it. Zendaya. Zendaya. Yeah. Interesting. Um, kind of. Did Zendaya came come out as gender non-binary? I think so. And who else did just this Demi week? Lovato. Demi Lovato. Mm -hmm. I thought I said Debbie. I was like, no, it's Debbie. Demi. <laughs> Could you imagine if her name was Debbie Lovato? Do you think that she'd be as successful as no. she has been? No. Sorry, they. They. Oh, I have to get used to that. Yeah, but, so here's what I love. Here's what I love about kids these days. Tell me. I told your kids, because I was trying to be, like, hip and, like, in the know. And I was like, yeah, did you hear that Demi Lovato came out as non-binary? Mm -hmm. And Adrian was like, yeah. Like, it was fine. And yeah, I was okay. like, yeah. And then Julia was like, what does that mean? And Adrian so eloquently was like, sometimes you're born a woman, a girl, sometimes you're born a boy, and sometimes you're just somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And Julia was just like, oh, cool. Yeah. 
done. Yeah, like it wasn't care. some big philosophical like yeah. It was just like that's interesting. Not even. It was just like that's yeah. the way it was. And yeah. I flipping love kids about that's that. That's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. They prefer it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, we are here to talk about Kaylee's story. Yeah. So this week is Kaylee, who is the handle birth trauma mama, and her story. I don't know if it really needs a trigger warning, <sighs> but like it is it's a birth a trauma. It's a birth trauma. And I wow. don't know anybody who births a child is my hero. It is something that I've never um, heard of before. Yeah, amni- amniotic fluid embolism. embolism. And what she went through and what she experienced and what her family experienced yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. And she just is such a, an amazing advocate for birth trauma. Yeah. And I think that a lot of women or people go through traumas in their births that... They don't talk about because, mm-hmm. you know, they have their baby and everything yeah. was okay in the end. But it really does um, affect you. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to talk about. And, and I, I think Kaylee's think, doing an amazing job. Yeah. I think back to, like, even the 90s, 80s, 70s, the 16th century. Yeah. Like, just birthing is trauma. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I think there's just such a stigma of... Yeah, you have your baby. You lived. Get exactly. Over it. Exactly. Anyway, we won't recap the whole episode that it's, you're just about to listen yeah, to. Yeah. So enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Hello, Kaylee. Hey, how are you? We're good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a nice, where, where, you live in Philadelphia? Yes, we can say Philadelphia. I'm about an hour outside Philadelphia. So oh, okay. And pretty, what's, pretty much Philadelphia. <laughs> what is spring like there for you? Is it nice? Yes. Currently it's beautiful. We were just, I was just outside with my son earlier, um, playing outside. It's like 70 degrees. So oh, nice. This is, this is my favorite time of year. Yeah. I like it because even if it's a little bit cooler, you feel like it's so warm because you just survived the winter. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's so different than, that's why I do like spring better than fall. Because even though it's similar, in Pennsylvania, it's similar weather. It's like you're headed into winter as opposed to coming up for beautiful fresh air from from the winter. Yeah. Fall, I get a sense of doom. Like, okay, the sun is going down and it's getting cold and we're going to be locked inside. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah, well, that's awesome. We're so excited that you agreed to be on our little podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I was so excited when you both reached out um, to have me on. I just, I've read, or not read, I guess listened to uh, a bunch of your podcasts, and I just love the topic so much. Oh, oh that's so you. nice. Uh, yeah, we found you, like we find everybody on TikTok. Um, (laughs) I get excited when we find somebody not on TikTok, but it's like, (laughs) TikTok is where it is. And you posted, you posted an incredible video about, um, well, how you got your handle, which is birth trauma mama. And I, I don't have kids, but it sounds like a nightmare. Birth stories already scare me. And this was like next level. And I thought it was so interesting I don't know. I love your content. I love how real you talk about yes. like the trauma around birth and what happens. So and I how think not to be, you know, ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's really important to me to make it sort of an accessible topic because I feel like we often hide it in the shadows Mm -hmm. and I'm not okay with that. Yeah. No. With my first, I had what I would consider pretty, I mean, not to to your, you know, trauma, but I did have a traumatic birth and I, and I always felt just really weird about it that I, you know, like I, I, I had him and he was okay and I was okay, but it's still when I had my daughter and everything went really smoothly, I felt so much guilt towards the first labor because it oh, didn't yeah. go well. And it was so like, he just didn't want to come out. No, I mean, yeah. there was like forceps and hours and hours and he wasn't breathing when he was born. So it was just like oh, really it's terrifying. Yeah. So it was really traumatic. And yeah. And then to have kind of a easy birth next time, I felt bad. Oh, that's so interesting. interesting. Yeah. There's so much comparing that happens oh, yeah. just like, among women but then also if you have multiple births among sort of your multiple births and especially if you have a first one that's traumatic you may not even realize it was traumatic until yeah you have your second yeah yeah crazy absolutely well why don't we dive in why don't if you don't mind sort of introduce yourself talk about who you are where you're from and then we'll kind of get into it sure yeah so I'm Kaylee um I run the birth trauma mama Instagram and it's just an amazing community of women who have come together who have experienced birth trauma or are interested in learning more about it um and my day job um I live and work at a boarding school actually so I am currently recording from our house which is attached to a sophomore girls dorm oh my god um yes it's a very unique very <laughs> unique life so is it, I is am, it very loud yeah. <laughs> Um, so we, it can be, but not, our dorm is great. And just like the way our house is positioned, it's quite private. Um, so it's, it's pretty great. But yeah, my husband is the dorm head of the dorm and I'm, um, a school clinician here. So I'm a therapist. Oh my um, God. Good for you guys. That, cause how old are sophomore kids? What age? 16. Oh Lord. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So so that's a lot. Yeah, we are, uh, we're just at high school. So we have 13 to 18, 19 year olds. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's and And we're in Pennsylvania, about an hour outside Philadelphia. And I have one son named Callahan, who we call Cal. Um, that's a really cute oh, name. I love oh, his thanks. name. That's so Thank sweet. You. How did you what? Thanks. Where did Callahan come from? Yeah, everyone wants it to be like a family name, but it's not. <laughs> it's just a random, it's just a random name. I had such a hard time when we found out it was a boy because every name that I wanted was a name I'd rather have for a girl, if that oh, makes sense. Like, there's so yeah. many, there's so many, bo- like I love boys' names for girls and it's yes. so hard for me to like find a boy name that I really liked and I wanted a long name with a nickname. So I have no idea. I was thinking I was on like Irish boy names website <laughs> of some sort and came across this and as I'm sure you see, last names for first names are like very big now. Yes. yes. Yeah. I yeah. think that's really cool. My name is Carling and people yes, are often I love like that name by the way. People are like that's so interesting. Where did it come from? And I'm like, you know, I allegedly in the 80s there was a Canadian tennis player named Carling Bassett my parents aren't <laughs> athletes they're not into tennis like there's no story they were just like that's cool just like but it's name. also yeah. it's also a beer yeah it's also a beer and it's terrible it is a, <laughs> so true yeah. I forgot that it was a beer it's a terrible beer so yeah that's amazing yeah so I can appreciate that yeah story, yeah. yeah so why don't yeah. you kind of start with yeah I, I don't know where do you want to start with your story sure yeah I mean um we got pregnant um after I think 
eight months of trying. I had like a very early miscarriage um, that really sort of, I think, threw off my whole fertility process. Um, and so it took us longer than we expected after that miscarriage, but we eventually did get pregnant and we were very lucky to not have to do any sort of fertility stuff for that. But I had a really normal pregnancy no issues. Um, I was huge, <laughs> but I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like everyone as a first time mom says that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but I really was, and he was born at 10, 14. So 10 pounds, 14 ounces. So oh, I was massive. God. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I thought I had big babies. My biggest baby was nine pounds, 13 ounces. Which is also big. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And I felt gigantic um, and I had excess yes. fluid. So I was oh. huge. Yeah. Yeah. I felt, I totally feel that. And it was one of those things where I was all baby. So, and I was apparently measuring right on track. So there was never a concern about a a big baby except for me. I was like, this baby is huge. I can feel (laughs) him inside of me (laughs) and he's massive. Um, but yeah, so, um, anyway, that was kind of the sidetracked, but yeah, total normal pregnancy, um, no issues at all. And then, um, I was induced because I had two high blood pressures in the doctor's office and it was due to anxiety. And when I got to the hospital, it, it did go back down. So there was no concerns about preeclampsia, but I was past, I was 40 and two days and they were like, do you want to just get induced? it looks like you might have a big baby. (laughs) Like you're you're here. And I was so like, I was completely close. Like I wasn't um, a face at all. I wasn't dilated at all. So I was like, yeah, let's just like get the baby out. He's only going to get bigger. Yeah. And so (laughs) with every minute he's just growing. (laughs) Literally. Um, and I, I was not thrilled about doing an induction to be clear, but I was kind of weighing my pros and cons at that point. And I was very anxious about a big baby. So did the induction. It was a full two day fun event and by fun, I'm being very sarcastic. (laughs) Um, they went through sort of all of the, the interventions. Um, so Cervidil to ripen the cervix and then the Foley bulb and then, um, Pitocin, of course. So I went in for an induction on a Monday and then by Wednesday morning, I was, um, 10 centimeters finally. So I I guess Wednesday around like noon, I was 10 centimeters. Mm -hmm. That's very similar to my first birth. Um, I did have to do, I was 42 weeks actually. And Mm. they finally did the Cervidil, but it like fell out. They sent me home and then they were like, no, don't come back until tomorrow. Is that like the tampon thing? Yeah. Yeah. It looks like Trident gum. Oh, (laughs) interesting. Yeah. It's very minty. Oh, yes. (laughs) Freshen up for the baby's arrival. Um, Yeah. And then it didn't work and it was like a whole thing. And um, then... They broke my water into the Pitocin as well. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Oh, my yeah. God. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. I love hearing how other people's birth stories sort of relate, especially with induction, because I yeah. just find the whole the whole procedure kind of interesting. Oh, induction um, is so intense. Like, I had my first three kids on being induced because they all just don't want to come out. Yeah, there's something yeah. about your body. Your kid, yeah. You make it too cozy. Yeah. The kids are like, no, yes. no we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I had my... – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say my kid did not want to come out. He's yeah, not no, coming out. No. 
they never drop either. Like they're just like, no, we're good up here. Like we're good. <laughs> we don't want to go down there. <laughs> and then my oh twins my were. I had twins, and they. Oh my god, you had twins. I did. Yeah, they were my last. Oh my goodness. And so. I had to be, I had to have a C-section at 38 weeks because they were both breech. Okay. But I'm sure if I didn't have a C-section and they let me go as long as possible, I would have had to be induced somehow too. Like it's just, they're just so cozy. Yeah. <clears throat> it's so interesting how our bodies just work differently depending oh, yeah. on who we are and what our babies are. So yeah, Pitocin and then I was, um, so also I should probably preface this with, I don't remember any of this. Okay. <laughs> So I don't remember a single part of my labor at all. I was induced on a Monday. The last thing that I remember is from the Friday before when I went to get my nails done because I was so upset that I wasn't dilated at all at my appointment the day before. Oh, <laughs> so I treated whoa. myself. That's, that's wild. Yeah. So I remember getting my nails done on that Friday. I don't remember the appointment on Monday. I don't remember anything. Um, but wow. I have text messages that I was sending to people. And obviously my husband and my mom were there. So they filled in the gaps for me. Yeah. Um, basically, oh, yeah. I was absolutely miserable, <laughs> is, yeah. from, is what I heard. Um, <laughs> They're like, you were no fun to be around. <laughs> yeah, you were a nightmare. Um, I did eventually get an epidural, thank God. Oh, I good. Think that, that helped a bit. But, uh, but yeah, so Wednesday morning, uh, I guess around noon, I was 10 centimeters ready to push. And uh, my husband was in the room, and he had decided that he wanted my mom in the room. And I say he decided because I would always be okay with my mom being in the room, but we okay. had kind of decided as a couple, like, we'll make this our moment. Like when, right. the, when Cal is actually born, we wanted to just be the two of us. Um, but after two full days of induction, my husband was just like, he could not handle how much pain I was in. He was having yeah. a really tough time. He needed backup. Um, <laughs> yeah. He would like, he needed an emotional backup. Yeah. And it's so funny because I don't remember, obviously I don't remember this. I'm so yeah. curious as to how that conversation went. But so we asked my mom to be in the room. The OB came in, said, you're 10 centimeters ready to push. She's like, I'm going to go gown up. My nurse was going to teach me how to practice push. And my mom left the room to go tell my dad, who was in the waiting room, that um, she was going to be in the room. So obviously she was going to be a while. <laughs> and um, I told my nurse I wasn't feeling well. And she said, that's, that's normal for a transition. You're feeling not, yeah. I was saying I was feeling nauseous. And she was like, yep, that's normal for a transition. I'll get you um, a bag to throw up in. And I said, nope, mm -mm, something's wrong. I don't feel well. Something's wrong. Oh, wow. And I started screaming that something was wrong with my heart. Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. And yeah. Yeah. And she went to go look at the monitor. And when she went to go turn to turn around to tell me everything was like looked fine I had coded <gasps> no. so then obviously it wasn't fine on the monitors at that point but it was like and, a split second oh my god what yeah and yes. where's your husband right now right like, next it, to my bed oh my god oh that's terrifying so, Holy. yeah so he said it basically like my eyes rolled back in my head my eyes <sighs> were still open but there was nothing behind them and he got in my face and started slapping me and then he ran to the hallway and shouted for a doctor. Oh and my, God. my parents were down the hallway in the waiting room and they like thought they heard, it was like this, such a weird, my dad was like, I think that was Steve. And my mom was like, no, I don't think it was. And then they heard rapid response for room 230, which was my room. Oh God. And my mom started to panic and my dad was like, we don't know what that means. Like, 
real like we're okay. Doesn't sound we good. Oh my god, bless your dad. He's <laughs> right. like, you know what, guys, let's not panic. Let's, right, that could mean anything. And then they oh. called a code blue oh, for god. my room, and my parents like lost it. So when the code blue got called, massive amounts of medical professionals were sprinting down the hallway past the waiting room, and my mom tried to get out into the hallway to get to my room, and they were like, absolutely not. And she was like, you don't understand. That's my daughter. Oh my god. And they they like pushed her back into the waiting room. Oh. And so about 20 or so medical professionals sprinted into my room. My poor husband was like pushed into the back corner and we're just like shouting like do we have a pulse? Like what's happening? We're going to OR1. No, OR1's booked. We're taking her to OR2. Um and they were out within a minute with my bed and everything. Oh wow. So, my gosh. Yeah. I'm just picturing a scene from like Grey's Anatomy, like your husband yes. in the corner watching all of this happen. Yes. And I, oh, my heart is just like in my throat right now. That's insane. No, I know. I, I often think about how awful that must have been for him. Yeah. Um, oh. And your parents yeah. and everything, right? Like, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so they, um, they got me to the OR right away. They, started CPR right away. Um, so CPR was going on as they were doing a C-section and they got Cal out within six minutes of my code. Wow. Which is crazy and saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. So they got him out right away and then they were still doing CPR as they were sewing me up. I was down for like seven or eight minutes and then they got a pulse back. And at this point, my OB, who's amazing, suspected that it was an AFE because there's very few things, which is an amniotic fluid embolism, oh. because there are very few things that would cause uh, maternal collapse in a healthy mom who's laboring. Right. right? Um, like sudden onset cardiac arrest and respiratory arrest is obviously rare. And so she suspected it was an AFE. And so at this point, she made sure I wasn't bleeding at all. She said everything was basically like bone dry, but she decided to put in what they call a Bakri balloon. I think that's how you pronounce it into my uterus to um, prepare for the bleeding that she assumed was going to occur because AFE happens in two stages. So you have cardiorespiratory failure, um, which is typically cardiac arrest and um, you stop breathing. And then um, the second phase is, is DIC, disseminated intervascular, intervascular coagulopathy, which means oh. your blood clots everywhere that it shouldn't, which consumes all of your clotting factors and leaves you to bleed out, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she was, you know, knowledgeable enough to know that was the second stage. And so she, she put that in my uterus um, prophylactically. And of course she was right. I started massively hemorrhaging from everywhere. So DIC, you basically bleed from everywhere. Any IV that you have, anything. And obviously I had a huge incision in my abdomen and, C- and um, uterus from the C-section. Whoa. So I was bleeding. And at, the, and at this time you're unconscious. Oh yes, I am yeah. super unconscious. Okay. So I posted, this is always interesting to me. So I posted on TikTok my um, blood gases from like, I think it was like an hour after my code once I was like in deep, deep DIC. And there are about 50 comments saying you should be dead. 
I don't understand how you're alive. I've never seen numbers like this before. And so I coded again. Yeah. So I coded again an hour later due to the, this time due to the blood loss. Is that the, is the blood gas is like the blood oxygen levels? Yeah. So, um, it's blood oxygen. It's, it's CO2. It's O2. It's pH, which is like, I think that's what shows metabolic acidosis. Um, and so all of my, my numbers were just completely out of whack. The human body holds, I think in units of blood, like if, if we talk units, I believe it's about, I want to say like eight or nine um, units of blood are in the human body. And I needed 143 units. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Because you just kept yeah. bleeding? Yeah. So I was basically bleeding out faster than they could put it in. Um, and that's why I coded again. And then they put me on something called ECMO, which is the highest form of life support. So it takes your blood out of your body, oxygenates it for you. It does like the, the job of the lungs and then puts it back in and perfuses your body. So it does the, the job of the heart too. So it's, it's basically like a, a heart and lung machine. I've heard of people with like the worst form of COVID ending up on that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, ECMO has so gotten a lot of a lot of publicity lately because of COVID, because it's been yeah. really useful in yeah in extreme COVID. And I so, am in shock, honestly, how you're you're here. So when where well, this is all happening. Where is your son and yes. husband? Yes. Okay. So on the other side of this, so outside the OR, so my husband was in my L and D room. Once they got me out, they let my mom come back to the room. And she said she just remembers Steve, like, pacing with his hands on his head, just saying, please just save my wife, please just save my wife, please just save my wife. Oh, my God. And, yeah, it's awful to think about. So my mom and Steve were in the L&D room. The, The timing of this was so unfortunate because, I mean, fortunate that it happened in the middle of the day and I had all these amazing medical professionals there. Right. But emotionally (laughs) unfortunate (laughs) because um, I was 10 centimeters ready to push. So we had told everyone to start showing up to the hospital to meet the baby. And so my mom and dad obviously knew something was very wrong, but didn't know what happened. And then my best friend, who's like my soulmate, showed up to the hospital with her boyfriend to my dad crying in the corner of an L&D oh, waiting room. Oh god. With a chaplain sitting next to him. Oh god. My best friend was like like her she she says like my brain couldn't compute what was happening. Like I didn't understand why your dad would be crying in an L&D waiting room. It just like didn't <sighs> compute. Yeah. She's like so he came up to me and he hugged me crying and he just said it's not okay. It's not okay. We don't know who, like, we don't know what's wrong, but Kaylee and the baby aren't okay. Because they hadn't gotten any updates at that point. Right. Oh, and, and, so then, and it's like you go to the hospital to meet your friend's new baby, and it's, like, right. so joyful, right? And then it's, like, right. bam. Right. That's that's oh, the part that God. I was just so unfortunate in terms of timing. And so yeah. my dad had, had stayed in the waiting room because my brother was showing up with his um, wife. Mm-hmm. And so he was waiting to be able to tell them, but then... Once Jesse, my best friend, got there, he decided to go back to the L&D room um, with my mom and Steve to see if there are any updates. 
and then the, the sort of same scene happened again. Like my brother and his wife came in. My best friend had to tell them that things were not okay. Oh, and gosh. they were devastated. And so um, eventually they did. So they updated the, my parents and Steve by coming in. The, the social worker and the chaplain came into the room and told Steve to come with them. And they walked him down to this, like, tiny little room. And he was pretty positive they were going to tell him that I had died. Um, And so they sat him down. And my OB came in, like, covered in blood. And was like, she's not, she's not dead, basically. Like, my OB is amazing. Very yeah. She definitely said it nicer than that. <laughs> I yeah. want to be clear. Like but she probably just wanted the to message. get it out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The message was she had an amniotic fluid embolism. We're doing everything we can to save her. The baby is completely fine. Okay. Oh God. Um. So then Steve went back to tell my family, and then um, she came and updated again and said so. There was this time period where I had started to head into DIC. And they kind of, I think they thought they had things stabilized, um, like relatively stabilized, um, because there's a text message that I, that I've seen that was sent around that basically said she had an amniotic fluid embolism. Um, they're giving her clotting fluids. Um, they think that they've stabilized the bleeding. They're going to send her to the ICU. Um, she's still on a ventilator, but she's trying to breathe over it at times, like all good news so okay. far. Yeah. And then about 20 minutes later which was right after my second code, the doctor came in and literally just said to my family, we need you guys to pray. Like we, we can't stop her bleeding. Oh we can't God. get her to stop bleeding. I've had so like that's pretty much this entire it. time. Like everything yeah. that you're yeah. saying is insane. Yeah. It's, it's insane to, to think about. Yeah. Um, it still, still to this day doesn't feel like it happened to me. Well, yeah. exactly. To know that all of this happened and you have no memory of it is just unbelievable. I remember when I had my, I had some miscarriages as well and not as well, sorry, but um, my first one I had to give birth because I was about 18 oh, weeks. And I remember sorry. thinking like, awful. Yeah, that it, it didn't feel like it was happening to me. Like I was in the room watching it happen to me mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah, I mean, your experience is, is, I don't know, it's insane. I got no other word. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty insane. And I'm just, I'm just so lucky um, that there was a lot of sort of right place, right time things that happened to yeah. save my life. Yeah. So yeah, I had, there was like 50 or so medical professionals in the OR at that point. And, um, they were just doing everything they could to, to save me. So they called the medical center that was 30 minutes away to get ECMO because this hospital didn't have ECMO. Oh, wow. But fun fact, I was supposed to deliver at my local hospital. I would have died at my local hospital, like easily. They they just didn't have the support. They wouldn't have had enough blood. They don't have a trauma center, nothing. And the only reason I didn't deliver there was because I'm a worrier and I wanted to nick you just in case anything happened with the baby. I was oh. like, why would I not be at a hospital that has a NICU? Yeah. Right. Wow. And it ended up saving my life wow. because they had trauma surgeons. Um, I had two phenomenal trauma surgeons who saved my life and I wouldn't have had that. They wouldn't have had the amount of blood that I needed either. And, and so they wouldn't ha- Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, so how, how long until you were considered stable but still on life support is that even is that yeah 
Yeah. So I was stable enough. So it's like critical, but I don't really know. I guess stable. Right. Right. Like he, I think it's called hemodynamically stable. Okay. But so I was transferred at 10 o'clock that night. So this happened at, so what happened is at 1230, this all happened. They said, pray, pray, pray. She's extremely critical. We don't know what to do. They brought me down to interventional radiology to um, try to embolize my uterine arteries to get them to stop bleeding. They were able to do that, but it didn't work enough. And so then they came to my husband and were like, we need you to sign for a hysterectomy because it's likely we're going to need to do one. And so he had to sign for an X-lap so they could like explore my abdomen and possible hysterectomy, possible uh, further surgery. And how, like, was it just a, was it just a given for him? Like, of course, do it. No. Like, because that's such like an invasive as a, you know, Mm -hmm. as a woman with a uterus. And young. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Like that's just wild that somebody else would have to make that decision for your body. Yeah. Right. So at this point it was my family, his family, and my best friend were all there. They they had put them in a conference room together so that it was closer to the OR so that they could sort of go back and forth and give them updates. He had trouble signing for it. And my best friend turned to him and was like, she would want a chance to live. And so, I mean, and he was always going to sign it. It's it, But it's yeah. just like, ugh, it's just yeah. awful to have to make. I mean, that's traumatizing in itself to have to make that decision for your loved one. Yeah. So yeah, so they did, they opened me up and I had like five or six uh, liters of blood in my abdomen alone. Oh. Um, And so they had to do a hysterectomy and they had to take one of my ovaries, but they did leave one ovary, which is nice because I don't go into early menopause. Okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, so they, so they actually did that surgery and then one of my trauma docs um, served in the army for a while, which also happened to be... um, something that saved my life and he knew how to pack an abdomen like I was a war victim which is basically what he told my family he did so he used quick quick clot combat gauze to pack my entire abdomen and then they left me partially open because they knew they were going to have to keep going back in for washouts and to check if there are any more sort of injuries or bleeding that had happened oh my Um, gosh how long does this last like what is it called again? Sorry, the the bleeding part of it. Oh, the DIC. So at this point, the the bleeding had like my my clotting factors had started to return to normal. Okay, but there are still lots of clots all over my body. They have to be aware of, and I'm on ECMO, which right. requires anticoagulation. So that's going to still make you bleed. Right. So it's kind of um, at this point, it had resolved in the sense of my numbers were almost back to normal. Okay. But um, they called it like profuse oozing was still happening, which sounds disgusting, (laughs) all over over my abdomen. Yeah. So they packed me up, left me open. So I was intubated on ECMO. They got me somewhat stable enough to transfer. And my family was able to see me for like two seconds in the hallway before they transferred me. Wow. Wow. Which was heartbreaking, apparently. Yeah. And has anybody at this point met Cal? Yes. So my husband had a really hard time with this. And I've talked about this actually on TikTok. Yeah. I would say around like two, my my best friend actually just clarified this for me the other day because people on TikTok were like, your family coerced him into going to see your baby. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, TikTok's, a good, TikTok's a good 
Mexico are crazy place. Oh, yeah. Um, it yeah. is the Wild West. It, <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so Jesse was like, well, what happened is around like two or three, we were like, Steve, you should go see the baby. And he was like, no, I'm not leaving this conference room. It is where Kaylee is, like where I'm closest to Kaylee. Yeah. And and they respected that. And then yeah. like an hour or two later on 4.30, he decided to go see the baby because – I think, I think my mom was like, well, I'm going to go see the baby. Yeah. And Steve was like, Steve's like, you are not going to be the first one to see the baby. Like, I'm going to be the first one to see the, to see my child, which yeah. is fair. Yeah. Um, so I think him and both grandmoms went up to, to see Cal around 4.30. Oh, God. And then they couldn't transfer Cal with me that night. So my dad stayed back with Cal at the Holy Hospital where I was. Yeah. And, and, and again, Cal was perfectly healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's wild. It you is. don't really understand how, but. Wow. It's because he was yeah. chunky. Those chunky babies are. I swear. He came yeah. Like a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. His, his cord gases were really bad when he first came out oh wow um but he just like i don't know bounced back his first apgar was a three and then it was an eight and a nine so he really was relatively fine yep i was transferred that night and then it was a litany of surgeries i had every morning i had a surgery for the next three days um where they would go back in do an abdominal washout an x-lap and um, on Saturday, so this all happened on a Wednesday. On that Saturday, I had my last surgery um, where they closed me. But the biggest issue was my heart. So even though the ECMO was keeping me profuse and therefore alive, my heart wasn't pumping the way that it should have been. Oh. And so. And is that from thir- damage during the cardiac arrest? Yes. Okay. It's, yeah. So. I always forget this, but I think it's, I think AFE causes left ventricle failure and then right maybe. There's like a sort of a cascade that happens, but my left ventricle was the problem. And so it wasn't doing, it wasn't um, pumping efficiently. And so they told, the ECMO team told my family on early Thursday morning, like 3 a.m., that if they didn't get something to fix this, that I would have, um, a massive thrombosis and I would die. Like you oh can't have a, a, a left ventricle thrombosis and make it. So, um, they had tried every medication under the sun. That was the issue. Mm. And so they ended up putting in an impella, which is like a little tiny windmill that goes up through your femoral artery into your heart and it spins around and expels the blood to hopefully get your, heart pumping more effectively again and thankfully that worked is that Um, is that just is that a lot different than a um what's the other thing a pacemaker yes much different like makes your heart because a pacemaker just steadies the rhythm of the heart i guess yes oh okay so um an impella is a is a vad which is a ventricular ventricular yeah assist device sounds right (laughs) i'm like For any doctors who are listening, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, so, so sorry. But yes, um, so it's, I think that you use it when there is failure of one of the ventricles to try to, I don't know, help it somehow. And does it stay in permanently or is it just? No, 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 no. 
no, so it was only in for, I would say, maybe 24, a little over 24 hours because then my heart just, like, started doing really well. I came off ECMO within two days. Oh, good. They thought I was going to be on it, in it for at least, like, two weeks. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And then they uh, – I guess Saturday night they um, took out the ventilator. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And so Sunday – I was awake, but I don't remember any of Sunday. And then Monday is the first memory that I have. And my OB and my anesthesiologist from my original hospital where everything happened came and told me the story of what happened to me. Because my family just, like, wasn't sure what to say, how to say it. They weren't even sure the full story, like, medically. Yeah. That's just wild. I can't can't wrap my head around losing time. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how do you... How do you react when the doctors are telling you, like, what happened to you? So I remember being like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, I'm an information gatherer. Okay. Like, right. I want to know all of the details, all the information. I remember, it's so funny how, how clearly I remember this moment. I remember my OB was up towards, like, my right shoulder. She was holding my hand. And I, I was so out of it still. And I was having trouble focusing my mm-hmm. eyes mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm going to close my eyes, but I need you to know that I want you to keep telling me everything. I just, uh, I can't focus my eyes and they hurt. I'm not sleeping. Please yeah. continue to talk. I was <laughs> yeah. like so worried that they were going to think it was too much and stop telling me what yeah. happened. Yeah. Oh, wow. But I, and then I cried when she told me I had a hysterectomy. That oh, is Absolutely. That. Because was your, was your plan always to have a big family or had you guys talked about it? I at least wanted to. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up as, I grew up in a two family and my husband grew up as um, the oldest of three. Okay. So yeah, we definitely wanted more than one. So that was definitely, definitely heartbreaking um, for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So at this point, the baby is still at the other hospital or has he moved? No, baby was transferred the next day. Okay. Um, and so you'll, if you've seen my TikTok, I'm sure yes. you've seen or my Instagram pictures of skin to skin. Yes. They were, they were amazing in the CTICU about getting my baby on me skin to skin wow. from like the day, the first day that was the first picture that I have of skin to skin was from the 18th, the day after everything happened. So oh, that's how wow. quickly they got him in. Wow. That's um, incredible. Obviously, obviously don't remember that. No. Yeah. But it's so critical for sort of like for bonding and everything. bonding and hormones. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when is the first memory you have of meeting Cal? <sighs> that's a really good question. And I don't really have one. Which sucks. Yeah. Because what happens with your brain, and this is this is the hardest thing for me to articulate and explain, but like in the moment I had short term memory. So like in the moment I remembered the quote unquote first time I met Cal. But then it didn't transition into my long term memory. Right. So all of the subsequent times I met Cal weren't the first time because I had that short term memory. Right. But because it wasn't transitioned into long term, I don't have a first time meeting Cal memory. I don't right. know if that makes sense. It does. Or yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. How long were you in the hospital then after you were taken off of the ventilator and everything? So I was in total in the hospital for two weeks. Okay. That's it? 
that's it. I know it's it's crazy. That's I thought you were gonna be like crazy. three months. Yeah. Like <laughs> they told they told my husband they told Steve the night that I got transferred to Lankanal, which was the medical center um, that I stayed at, that I would be in the hospital for a few months. Yeah. So that Tuesday, so a week from when it happened, basically, I was transferred down to the step down ICU from the CT ICU, okay. and I remember my PT that day was to just stand for one minute. And it was the most painful thing oh. I've ever experienced in my entire life. Oh. And then by Friday, I was walking up and downstairs. Wow. So I have no understanding of why that was the case. I, I cannot to this day tell you, but I just remember feeling like it not in that much pain. And I wasn't yeah. on heavy painkillers at that point. I had a C-section and I I was afraid to sneeze or anything. Like you had multiple, <laughs> yeah. multiple surgeries. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it it is. I don't, and, and I, I never, listen, I will accept that I am strong and I am this and I am that. And yeah. I fully appreciate that and accept all of it. But like, I literally cannot explain to you why I didn't feel pain all of a sudden. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, I felt, you know, like, it, yeah. it's pain, but, like, but like bearable, bearable completely right. bearable pain. Yeah. yeah. Cal, did he stay in the hospital the whole time you were there? He did. They boarded him for me, which oh. was... <laughs> a little baby boarding amazing. facility. Yeah. They, and they brought him down, like, twice a day. Um, and then I started to be able to go up to see him towards the end, which was awesome. Yeah, they were amazing. Did they do that because it was more important for you to have frequent access to him over and above. Like, I guess, why wouldn't your husband have taken him home? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't 100% know, except for it, like, was a really important save for the hospital. (laughs) Like, this was like, I I think it was like, it ended up being like a really big deal. Okay. Um, Okay. And so I think they wanted to do everything that they possibly could to make sure it was, you know, I, I think they just saw this as like a super tragic situation yeah. that could have been much more tragic. Yeah. And if they could make our lives easier, because we are over an hour away. So that oh. would have pulled Steve away from me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, it wouldn't have been Steve. Steve wouldn't have left me. Yeah. Um, so it would have been like my dad probably. And then Aww. like, I actually think they had a plan cause he was supposed to get discharged. It was going to be like my dad taking care of him with like my mom's friends, like rotating in to help right. him because my mom also was like, yeah, I can't leave her here. Like no. my mom and Steve, my mom and Steve switched off nights sleeping with me in the ICU once. So Steve slept with me in the CT ICU when I was in a coma the whole time, every night. And then once I woke up, my poor husband was like a freaking mess. You need to go to the hotel and sleep. My mom can stay with me. And so they started switching off nights with me in the ICU because I was beyond oh. anxious that I was going to die. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So they oh. were awesome in that way. Was there something that could have been done while you were in labor that could have prevented this in any Sadly, way? Sadly, no. No. Unfortunately, no. Um, AFEs are still unpredictable and unpreventable and often fatal. That's kind of the yeah the tagline of wow. AFE. They just they happen so quickly and without warning. Yeah, and they're so devastating that there's moms who who are still dying every every year from this. Oh. Unfortunately, wow. 
I guess, so you talk a lot about the trauma of the birth and like the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Was it ever acknowledged as a trauma or was that your own sort of like self-advocacy of searching for help post-trauma? Like did, I don't Um, know, like did a psychiatrist come in and say, hey, Kaylee, woo, that was crazy. Let's talk about it. Or (laughs) no, but I mean, like my medical team themselves were traumatized. Yeah. Like it was like, there was no guessing or convincing anyone that this was trauma. Right. It was very clearly a traumatic experience for every single person involved. Yeah. And so I think that like, I don't really know. I don't really know. No one came out and was like, this was a trauma that you endured, but they said things like this was awful. Uh Um, We're so happy you're alive, obviously. But, um, and then I had a lot of really, um, well-meaning dismissive things said to me, like, well, you're here. So just, just move on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but don't think too much about it and don't worry about the fact that you survived and other people haven't. I'm like, yeah, easier said than done. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) absolutely. How did you work through that trauma or how are you working through that trauma? Yeah. So I, when I got out of the hospital, I was like, oh my God, I I get a second chance at life. This is amazing. I'm gonna, I don't even know, just like live my life to the fullest and (laughs) everyone's gonna be amazing and we're gonna have the happy, happily ever after. Yeah, that did not happen. But in that moment, um, I even said to myself, I know I feel like this right now, but I endured a horrendous trauma and Mm -hmm. this is gonna mess me up. And so as a therapist, I know I need to get into therapy right away. Yeah. And so the week, the week that I was discharged, I was in therapy and I still see that therapist every other week. Wow. That's so good. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Um, we're such therapy advocates over here. Like, yes. I'm in therapy. My kids are in therapy. Carlin's in therapy. Like it's, I'm struggling right now because my therapist had babies like she, um, and she delivered um, prematurely. The babies are okay. But so she unexpectedly left. And now I'm just like, Mm -hmm. but, but my, like, she's my person. Like, how do I, Yeah. yeah. What about your husband? Because there's, I know you made a video, which I thought was so important about his trauma and like, yeah, you had the, you know, you had a trauma too, but so did your mom, your dad, your best friend, your yeah. brother. Yeah. So I don't know what that looks like. It's really difficult to have a newborn in a marriage where you both are completely traumatized yeah. in two very different ways and also handle and cope with your trauma very differently. Yes. Um, so we have done a lot of work around that and are still doing work around that because it's, it's not easy. And there's a lot of, it's really hard to be the person that it happened to, but it's also really hard to be the person that watched it happen. So yeah. like I, and, and to not feel like you have the space. Like I yeah. was so frustrated in my first few months postpartum. Cause I was like, you all, I get that you're traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> you all like we're together. You watched this happen. You were traumatized when you thought I was dying and then you slowly watched me get better. Right. And I wasn't supposed to. And so there's like there's like videos of them celebrating me getting off of ECMO after 2 days in the waiting room. Like there's like they had like um I mean, it was awful. I get it was totally awful, but I'm so jealous that they got this like bonding experience around my sort of recovery. Yeah. 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 And so, and then I woke up and got it all thrown at me, Mm -hmm. not on purpose, but like Mm -hmm. that's, that's sort of the way it felt. And so 
I very much turned into sort of a like this didn't happen to anyone except me right yeah. you all don't get to be traumatized which is, <laughs> it is so so incorrect and flawed. yeah yeah um but in the moment and my family was and my best friend were rock stars because they were traumatized to the point where like they this is not something they wanted to relive or talk about right guess who wanted to talk about it every second of every day (laughs) well because you weren't there for it do you know what I mean like you you were you were away and so yeah for for you to have to put the pieces back together requires them to live in that trauma yeah and they did Every yeah. single day. Wow. Like, I give them so much credit because they did every single day. Oh. Until I was like, yeah. I don't know. How, how old is Cal now? He's almost two. He'll be two okay. in July. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Did you struggle with bonding with him or? I don't. Yes. I don't yeah. yeah. Like, I, oh God, I, this is like just a question out of left field. But like, is there like a resentment or, I don't know, he didn't do it to you. But like, as a result no. of giving yeah. birth to him, this yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah, totally valid question and something that people do not talk about enough. Um, So one, I really struggled to bond with him, yes, which is very normal. First of all, overall, our expectations around bonding in normal labor are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Like you just, you're expected to fall head over heels and some people do and that's amazing. But like in the second that they're born after you know, even if you have a normal labor, it's still labor. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, um, Yes, I did not bond with him for about five or six months. Um, and so that was that was really hard too. And then resentment, yeah. In the beginning, it was just sort of, I didn't want to be a mom. Yeah. This wasn't what I asked for. My life was completely changed forever. Yeah. And I was miserable. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was there was a lot of resentment and a lot of like, I want my old life back. And yeah. And that's, and that's, that kind of meshes with motherhood in general, regardless of birth trauma, I think. Yes. And then I think mine was a bit, a bit exacerbated by um, the trauma. I just remember feeling so guilty and awful because my husband was also resentful, right? Yeah. He yeah. didn't even hold this baby inside of him for nine months. Yeah. This is a brand new person that like, you know, it, it all happened around his birth, even though it's not his fault, of course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's natural. I Like, I want people to know that it's natural to feel that resentment towards the birth and uh-huh. towards yeah. maybe even your child at the beginning. Like, it's yeah. normal. It's okay. You will eventually process it through, as I did, and I'm mildly obsessed with my child now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember just this this newborn I was like, it's not his fault. And he has these two parents who are basically so messed up from his birth. And it's so sad. Yeah. It is Um, sad because I think people's expectations would be like, like you said, like you have a second lease on life and mm -hmm. at least you're alive and like take every opportunity and, you know, bond with your child and love the crap out of them. But there's so much pain and trauma and guilt and everything behind it. Like you can't just process things like that. Exactly. You can't just pretend like it's yeah. all okay. And and I mean, to be clear, like even when I first was meeting my son and getting to know him in the hospital, no one except for 50 medical professionals saw my child born out of me. Right. Like, I remember thinking like, is this my child? Yeah. yeah. He looks literally nothing like me and my husband. Now he's like, he's like my twin. He looks just like me. There is no mistaking that he is mine. But yeah. when he was born, 
I was like, I don't know, guys. I don't know about this. <laughs> you don't know for sure. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. But yeah. yeah. Do you have any, did you have any resentment towards like your mom and dad because they were able to, I guess, bond with him before you? Yeah. I, so I had, this is another sort of, there's so many mixed emotions that happen with birth trauma yeah. and I have mixed emotions about like the tropes of people that yeah, met yes. my baby before me. Yeah. Like, you know, family friends came to see me and met my baby and, wow. and I am so grateful that all of those people were there to hold and love on my baby, but I'm also so jealous yeah. that they met my baby before me. And so, so to answer your question, like for sure, I had I had resentment about that. And I also had resentment, like I couldn't, to be clear, I was I was discharged within two weeks, but when I was home, I was like I couldn't even like walk up the stairs. Yeah, I, I know I said I was walking stairs in the ICU. I was, but I could like <laughs> go up the stairs like once a day. Yeah. So my parents were living with us for six weeks. Oh, and okay. Helped take care of Cal, and I was like resentful that I couldn't take care of my own baby. Yeah. And yet I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. I remember them always, always asking like, oh, Keely, do you want to feed him? And inside my brain, I was like, absolutely not. I want nothing to do with doing that right now. But if I knew if I I said that, they would all be like, oh my God, what's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Did you recognize it in the moment as normal or typical? No, I felt horrendously guilty. Mm -hmm. Every time I felt angry about what happened, I immediately felt immense guilt because many women die of this condition and yeah. here I am pretty much yeah. unscathed minus the the hysterectomy yeah. and I'm angry about what happened to me uh-huh. and I had so much guilt and shame about that but I have since realized you can be both grateful and angry at the same exact time <laughs> yeah yes did you and your husband miss a lot of work oh yeah so we have off in the summers mm-hmm. oh well so, that, yeah so he was born July 17th I was out of the hospital July 30th and he was home all of August with me and then September I was able to pick the baby up on my own finally and he left and I cried every single day oh yeah, every single day. yeah yeah I had PPD like pretty hard so yeah yeah um I got on some medication along with my therapy and it helped a ton I would say December I started to sort of crawl out of the the PPD and trauma fog. Yeah. Yeah. And were you able to take a maternity leave? Yes. So I, we have great maternity leave here. So my maternity leave was already until like the first week in November. And at that point I had just started to like even see a leg at the end of the tunnel. Uh-huh. And so I had not enjoyed my baby at all. Yeah. <laughs> and so I extended my maternity leave until after winter break. So I extended it until January because so was I was he still recovering. That How old would he have six been? Months. Six months? Yep, six yeah. months. Wow. So I'm interested yeah. to hear about um, your Instagram page because you I see that you feature a lot of women who have gone through birth trauma. How did yes. that kind of come about for you? The Instagram in general, I started around six months postpartum. I just didn't feel like I had a space in those early postpartum days where people got it. Um, I had the AFE Foundation and the AFE Foundation is an amazing organization and we have a support group and it's awesome. But I just felt like I needed something that was more um, constant, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and more sort of personable. And so I tried to create that through my Instagram and 
and um, it's been great. I've had such, I've connected with so many women who have experienced birth trauma. And my biggest thing is just the idea that trauma is trauma. Yeah. yeah. I had a very, very, very severe birth trauma. And I never want anyone to think that if their trauma wasn't as bad as mine, it wasn't, you know, Valid. trauma. Yeah. It yeah. Was. yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way with losing my husband. Like I've, I've lost my husband. I have five children, but my trauma isn't any bigger than someone who's lost, you know, a spouse with no kids or with one kid or yeah. any sort of combination right. of that. Right. Like, it's right. all freaking terrible and yeah. hard and traumatic. Yes. Yeah. And is there a space for non-birthing parents that suffered trauma? I try to be inclusive and not just say fathers, but like the other partners yeah, yeah. that didn't give birth. Is there, I don't know, like, is there space online for that? Have you felt that or has your husband found support? You know, I would say that I haven't really found, I haven't seen that a lot. However, Every time we sort of try to do something, like especially through the AFE Foundation, like dads who, um, and sorry, non-birthing partners, yeah. <laughs> very good to be inclusive. I'm just so used to them calling it like the quote unquote dad. Yeah. 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 Probably stop doing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think we have such difficulty because the large percentage does tend to be people who identify as male. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also, not to be stereotypical, but tend to not want to talk about their feelings openly as much. Right, or yeah. tend to not want to be online talking about their feelings. And yeah. so they get pretty – we have trouble with participation. Like whenever I try to do something around, um, you know, um, non-birthing partners who – are often a majority male. It just doesn't usually yeah. land. Yeah. I hate that. Um, but I do I, have a, yeah. a, I know because they need it. Oh my they God, really they do. Need it. Yeah. I keep telling like, like with Michelle's kids or my nephews, I'm like, I refuse to be a participant in the raising of males who don't know how to talk about their feelings. <laughs> and I like yeah. every time my nephews cry, I acknowledge it. I encourage it. Yeah. I validate it. Like, because yeah. I don't yes. want this next generation to have that because I think it's just like it's our society and I think our age group the men didn't talk about things and it wasn't encouraged and oh god I've like I've gotten so mad at my dad for being like ah don't cry be a man you know yeah 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 and so yeah I'm not surprised to hear that there just isn't big participation but I hate that yeah there's um new who's great is um I don't know if you are following them or have seen them, but Knock on Motherhood is is Courtney. And she's a, I want to get it right, but I think she's preeclampsia. I don't think it's help, but it's definitely pre, um, preeclampsia. She's a survivor and she has a, um, a phenomenal survivor story and her and her husband run a podcast together called Knock on Parenting. And he does a lot of posting on that Instagram about sort of the partner side. Oh, that's great. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, And I keep promising people that my husband will come on um, and talk (laughs) about things. And I keep trying to convince him and he's very camera shy. So one day though. Listen, you tell him, we'll interview him no cameras. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just a conversation between friends. I know. I know. I, I I just think he could do so much for the community of non-birthing partners in yeah. terms of birth trauma because yeah. 
he's not like the typical guy who's who's going to be super emotionally open, but I think has gotten so much more since this has all happened. Yeah, that he he could bridge the gap. I keep telling him this. Yeah, yes. bridge the gap. Well, and all I keep I thinking know. is like the more you talk about it, the more it's talked about, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. just exactly just you telling your story validated so many other women who have experienced birth trauma or experienced a birth that they didn't even realize was traumatic and that they had guilt and resentment towards and to be able to say like yes that is normal this is valid it's so important and even hearing you talking about what you went through after I had my third miscarriage I um was hemorrhaging and had to go to the hospital and had to had to have an emergency um dnc and in the moment it didn't feel as scary but when i think back to it you know my hemoglobin was dangerously low there were there was so much kind of chaos surrounding me and you know they needed to get me in so quickly it's just like that was really scary you know and to not even really think about that until like now is weird <laughs> like, we are yeah. we are witnessing firsthand <laughs> michelle's <laughs> realization like wait a second that was really scary was terrifying. Yeah. yeah yeah so the more you talk about it it's just so important to so many people well and i think it's even not even just with like being a non-birthing partner but like it is almost impossible to get a male to come on our show and talk about their trauma of any variety (laughs) yes I think we've interviewed three yeah three or four yeah yeah. three or four maybe and that's not for lack of trying like we want to expand our demographic to a male audience but nobody's talking about it (laughs) (laughs) is there do you guys have conversations or have you given thought over how you'll share your birth story, Cal's birth story with him. Yeah. So I just did a, I just did a TikTok post on this. Oh, of like okay. my, like basically talking to Cal oh. about what I'll tell him. It's very short. I definitely within the frame of like, this is our story together. This is how we survive together. Sort of like as like a team, I want to be very careful to make sure that he never, ever thinks or assumes this was his fault yes absolutely Um, yeah that part is really important to me it's also really important to me and someone oh my god someone commented this amazing idea on my tiktok they were like you should you should create a children's book for him (gasps) about your story and like slowly integrate it into instead of like sitting him down one day and like telling him the story yeah like just like sort of slowly have it be a part of his life and just yeah. this really cool story without obviously like ECMO and blood. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're going to keep that stuff out. A there. little cartoon just... of the ER doctor yeah. covered in blood being like, yeah, well, literally. she's not dead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's great. Our, that's a great so cool. story. We interviewed um, Kaylee McDonald and for, uh, in oh God, Canadian Infertility Awareness, Awareness Week. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but cool. she she actually published a book. So she is an infertility, I don't want to say advocate, spokesperson, yeah. sharer of her story. Yeah. And she couldn't find any literature on how to explain to her kids that uh, he was conceived through IVF. And so she wrote a book and got it published. Um, it's called, yeah, it's wow. called Extra. And it talks, it sort of covers how families are put together in a plethora of ways and it's not always the same way that families become families and I think there's I think there's such a market for people to have something to uh read to their kids or you know 
Yeah, I don't know. So I think there's like a market out there for you to write a book. Absolutely. What you're telling me is I should actually publish. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't just keep this for you. Yeah. I was going to say 100% publish a a kid's book about the the different, you know, traumas of birth. And and like you said, not in a scary way, but in like a, a, a way of understanding that just because the birth was trauma doesn't mean it was your fault. And just a little bit of understanding of like how you got here. And yeah, how it some, wasn't yeah. super easy, but you're, you're here. Because, <laughs> like, some babies yeah. are born by C-section. Yeah. Some are vaginal. Yep, some yeah. are... So true. What's the thing where somebody else carries your baby? Surrogacy. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, weird side note. I Stupid Facebook keeps giving me ads for surrogacy. Like, wants me to consider being a surrogate. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what I talk about or what it thinks about me. Like oh Facebook, get it together. Yeah, Facebook algorithm. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, no. Kaylee, we're so thankful that you that you again came on our show and yes. are sharing your story so publicly. I think it's so critical, and we're just so thankful for you. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I had such a good time oh, talking to you both. It's like just having having some coffee with friends. I love. Yeah, it. that's yeah. like that's always our goal. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you thank so, much. You so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your yeah. day. You too. So great to talk to you both. All right. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Michelle. Hello. That episode was wild. (sighs) Wild and a half. So crazy. Yeah. I literally had like full body chills the entire time. Yeah. Unbelievable. As somebody, I think if I were to have kids, I would be the non-birthing partner. Yeah. And so I feel like I more can see myself in her husband's shoes. Right. Of just the, like, the sense of helplessness. Absolutely. Like, your partner's just dying or not, or yeah. who knows, yeah. and where's your baby, and yeah. where's, like... Absolutely, and then people are coming, and you don't know what to say, and you don't know, yeah. like, anything, right? Terrifying. So scary. Kaylee, thank you so, so much for sharing your yes. story. It's gonna... I always say this, it's gonna help a lot of people. <laughs> Our time. episode is changing lives. Right? You know what else is changing lives? What? Our Patreon. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we just had a new episode go on our Patreon. And yeah. And I talk a lot about the aftermath of my husband's death. Life after loss. Yes. So all of the painful things about telling your children and telling yeah. family members and friends and planning a funeral. Yeah, and, the frenzy that happens. Uh, doing all of that stuff after you've just gotten the worst news of your life so yeah. super upbeat episode yeah. <laughs> hope you enjoy they're not all really heavy like that no but... and i mean we uh, like it's us we still find humor yeah, we still laugh in it all. <laughs> so if you haven't already check out our patreon it's a five dollar per month subscription mm-hmm. and it really it's just one bonus way of supporting us and the work that we do and as a thank you, we provide you with two bonus episodes per month. So much content. Yeah. There's like over 30 episodes now. Amazing. Bananas. Bananas. Bonkers. And, <laughs> and yeah. then uh, who knows? Wow. Um, the other thing is you're just killing it at the sticker game. <gasps> so thank you. Uh, we always have people that like, we always say things in episodes that are stupid, ridiculous. silly, funny, ridiculous. <laughs> and so if you're a longtime listener or if you listen to our episodes, you'll always like hear these funny little things. Yeah. And you designed a whole sticker line. I did. Um, with some of our sayings. And mm-hmm. so if you are like, man, I wish I had 
a sticker that says give us your girl guides cookies yeah (laughs) (laughs) then you can now get them so check out our website at i did not sign up for this dot ca and you can order them directly on there and what else do we have we also have merch we do we have merch we've been having people post pictures and tagging us i know in their merch and it looks really good i'm wearing my sweater right now and I wore my what t-shirt yesterday. Now? I think this is your Sunday apparel. Every yeah, Sunday sure. you wear an I did not sign up for this something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Confirmed. <laughs> and um, another fun thing that we're doing that we'd love some feedback on is we're trying to post more TikToks. Yeah. Um, and more podcast-specific TikToks. Yes. So Michelle's been doing a really good job at... Uh, I'm just like your hype girl today. Oh. And you're posting... TikToks talking about the upcoming episode Mm -hmm. and I've been posting a series of TikToks that have to do with people in the news that did not sign up for something. Yes. So a couple of listeners have sent me funny news headlines Uh um, like the woman who had blood flying through her ceiling fan because the guy upstairs upstairs died and yeah so if you are I don't know if you're looking at the news or reading something and you come across a headline of somebody who did not sign up for something uh shoot us a dm yeah send us a message because I want to talk about it on tiktok absolutely on reels and instagram and all of that all of that all of that uh and also I say this all the time but Here's what I was thinking. I want more reviews, more iTunes, Apple reviews. Why don't we do like a contest or something? If you write us a review, your name goes in and you can win some stickers. Oh, that's a great idea. There we go. Just on the fly like that. On the fly. That that is how we (laughs) roll. Okay. So what are the parameters? Leave us a review. Leave us a review. If you've already left, left us a review. Oh, no. See, this is only for Canada. If you leave us a review and we can't see it, take a screenshot of it and send it to us. Okay. Come on, Carling. Are you new here? I think so. Leave us a review, take a screenshot, send it to us, and you're entered to win stickers. We'll figure it out and we'll write it down and we'll post about it. Okay. Okay. You're hearing it here first. So (laughs) I want more reviews. And I was going to say we should start reading them out. We should. That'd be fun. In episodes. Yeah. Just as like a thanks. So we can hype ourselves up. Yeah. (laughs) I like the little dance you did with it. Thank you. Oh, Lord. Okay, everybody. I hope you have a great day. Oh, great. A great week. (laughs) And happy Victoria Day. Happy Memorial Memorial Day. Day. If you live somewhere else in the world and you just had a long weekend, happy day. Happy day. And if you don't get long weekends, I'm so sorry. Condolences. Condolences. Take a day on me. I can't pay you, but... Okay, guys, have a good week. We will talk to you later. Bye! Bye! The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.